0: If you want to understand what's the matter with murderous Memphis, watch rapper Jay Fizzle's interview on YouTube. The 28 year old showcases his more than 15 baby mamas. Baby mama culture produces 19 year olds who live stream their killing sprees. The destruction of family destroys all morals, norms, and order. Culture kills, not color. I will never apologize for hating the culture that celebrates, tolerates and proliferates a mindset that teaches black people to see themselves as victims dependent on white guilt and criminals Our fixation on color prevents us from examining the culture we've adopted or been assigned. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Thursday to you and yours. The weekend's almost here. Uh, I'm headed uh, to Dallas this weekend, so I'm actually a little excited. Actually, I'm going to Dallas tonight uh, for the weekend. I'm very excited. Uh, Shamika Michelle's here with me. Shamika, did I tell you that, who I'm having dinner with on Friday? You did. i did on a humble brag. Uh, Reverend Tony Evans. Oh, oh I'm sorry. that's I'm Dr. exciting. Tony Evans. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I'm going to his church, Oak Cliff uh, Bible uh, College, or what a Oak Cliff Bible study. Anyway, I'm going to his church oh, on Sunday, and so I'm very excited about that. Big weekend plan, but uh, and tomorrow I'll be uh, sitting in for Glenn Beck on his radio and Blaze TV show in the morning, and then I'll turn back around and we'll do another episode of Fearless. Uh, on on Friday. So I have a very, very busy uh, week and weekend plan. Uh, so you'll get a double dose of me tomorrow. Uh, but today, a single dose will do. I'm like, is, is, isn't that the Johnson & Johnson shot? You only need the one for COVID? That's it. Yeah, That's only what they claim. You only need one and that'll give you the clock uh, almost immediately. <laughs> it, I'm sorry. Let me take that back before I get killed on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Uh, Fantastic show for you today, Shamika Michelle is in studio with me, Uh, Delano Squires, smartest man on the show will join us, uh, and we'll talk about what I teased uh, at the beginning of the show, we'll actually do the fire starter in the second segment of the show, uh, because football, football starts tonight, college football has already started, but the NFL starts tonight with the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. And so uh, we're going to bring in our man, uh, Steve Kim, to talk about the start of the NFL season. Uh, many people consider this the start of the descent of my bank account because I start gambling uh, at the start of the NFL season. And I'm not good. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know what you do. You, what you have an opinion on gambling, sports betting, men who gamble?
1: As long as you don't go broke.
0: Oh, well. As long
1: as no one's hungry or homeless, I think hmm. you're all right.
0: I'm getting close. Uh, <laughs> it's just like I started the year out with that Ball State Tennessee pick. That hurt. Uh, yeah, and that was so, bad. You know, tonight, tonight, I'm probably going to be on the Buffalo Bills, although I haven't decided uh, just yet. Maybe Steve Kim will talk me into doing something else. Uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell. Uh, Let's talk some football and we'll start with tonight's uh, Thursday night football uh, Sunday night football Thursday night football opener it will be Mike Tarico and Chris Collinsworth and the Sunday night football crew calling this Thursday night kickoff Steve it's the Bills versus the Rams everybody or virtually everybody has the Bills as their Super Bowl pick Uh, I think they're the betting favorite and Josh Allen is the betting favorite to be the MVP of the league. Uh, let's, let's take them in order. Let's start with tonight. Bill's favored by 2.5 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Uh, I disagree with this pick, actually. I don't think Buffalo is going to go on the road and beat uh, the Los Angeles Rams. If my memory serves me, aren't the Rams and Matt Stafford the defending Super Bowl champions? They got Aaron Donald and all that. Uh, where do you stand on tonight's game, Steve?
2: Oh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought I was coming to talk about Brittany Griner. Oh, that's right. We never pretended to care, by the way. Notice how that thing has disappeared the last couple of weeks. Uh, I guess all the activists are, are setting their uh, NFL fantasy squad, right? Got to have priorities. But yeah, this is an interesting game. Hold for it's- one second,
0: Steve. Hold for one second. Why football's kicking off? And you're bringing up Brittany Griner? Explain
2: that to me again. What were you doing there? Because it explains the hypocrisy how really nobody cares. When was the last time you heard about the story? I mean, seriously, did she suddenly get released? The, the, I'm going to tell you when the last
0: time I heard about the
2: story, when you just forced it into today's show for no I, reason. That's the last because, time I heard about it. Because yeah. it's funny that the activists suddenly say, okay, let, let's, let's let the NFL season start. We got other priorities, and they're probably going to spring it on us in about what two weeks? That's what I figure. But anyway, going back to the game, I think Buffalo. Hold has on, the I'm best- fascinated.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. fascinated by your fascination with Brittany yeah. Griner. Is there something you want to tell us? We just heard Jennifer Lawrence say she has nightmares uh, about Tucker Carlson, and she has a lot of dreams about Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Is Steve Kim in the privacy of his home, or perhaps? Uh, at a massage parlor are you thinking about Britney Griner in your private moments
2: no never but i, I just again i just think it's hilarious <laughs> that we have these random moments where every once in a while i'll see that hashtag free bg or we're all bg and like i told you a couple weeks ago no one cares and and this is the this is the problem that i have with the general mainstream media that we literally say, or they they preach that we should care about her, that this is important, and then all of a sudden they just put her on layaway. Remember layaway? I'm old enough to do layaway. Did a lot of it myself <laughs> at Chess King. And then all of a sudden, now we bring it back, like we want to make a deposit. And so that's that's the thing that's really hilarious to me that that the very same people that will tell you that Britney Griner was important, or that Colin Kaepernick was important are going to be watching NFL, the greatest show in American sports. And I think it's a celebration. I actually think this day should be a national holiday because, quite frankly, after this, Jason, I'm not getting anything done till about 5.20 Pacific time, and I can't wait.
0: Uh, So I'm going to say this. You've hijacked the show with the Brittany Griner talk. Thank you. And I completely (laughs) – I'm going to say I completely – Somewhat disagree with you about the whole national holiday thing because I used to be right there with you. Used to be right there with you. But I didn't watch a preseason game this year, oh. which is the first time in my lifetime. I'm oh. so, other than Aaron Rodgers and a hand, you know, I love Aaron Donald as well uh, to watch him play. But there's only a handful of NFL players that I really care about and really root for, you know, again, I'm going to watch, but the passion isn't the same as it has been in previous years. I'm a bit unprepared for this NFL season, and I'm hoping that's going to improve my betting. Uh, So give me some advice on tonight. I I think I'm going to take the Rams.
2: Whitlock, I don't even know who you are anymore. Give me a break. (laughs) Uh, Look, I think the bills have the best roster up and down in the national football league. And they're a little bit younger. They're right in that prime spot where they have enough players below the age of 30. And they have a quarterback that I truly believe is elite for all this talk of who's the next great dominant quarterback. It's that guy right there, Josh Allen. Also, they got a young running back out whoa, of Georgia. Whoa, whoa,
0: that, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to clarify that statement. With Josh the, Allen. And so by next, you're not dismissing Patrick Mahomes. You're saying no. he's already a great quarterback That's and he's going to join incredible. him. Or you're saying you think he's going to be better than Patrick Mahomes.
2: I think you'll be right up there with him. If we go back about nine, ten months ago, you asked me, is Josh Allen, in the immortal words of the late, great Emanuel Stewart, e those last two drives that he put at Arrowhead Stadium, where the defense and coaching just let him down, that was elite stuff, what he did. Josh Allen right now should be a Buffalo legend, what he did. But they couldn't hold a lead in 13 seconds. But he's the best combination of arm strength, arm talent, and athleticism. Just look at his stats. The guy throws for well over 44 or 4,000 yards the last two years. There was a lot of touchdown passes. Interceptions were up a little bit last year. He's got to improve that. But he also rushes for six, 700 yards. He is the prototype for modern-day football. To me, there's two quarterbacks that really stand out that you say, Steve, you get to start a franchise with one quarterback. It's either the guy in Kansas City or this kid here from Wyoming. It's clearly those two guys for me. And maybe Justin Herbert can make some noise because of the size and his strength and his arm talent. But I'm a big fan of Josh Allen. And so you like the Bills tonight? Is that what I'm hearing? (sighs) That's a tough one. Sometimes those ring ceremony games for any championship team are very, very tough. And this is still a home game for the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. Uh, That's a good one. If you actually said to me, Steve, first game of the year, everyone's healthy, and you get the Rams, at home with points, common sense dictates you gotta take the points. But again, th- this doesn't re- necessarily mean anything. There's 17 games now. This thing is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I don't think one game's gonna really determine all that much. But if I was a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I would actually shade the Rams tonight. Hmm. Uh, and so do
0: you have Josh Allen as your MVP based off of everything you just said? I would yes. tend to think that's who you would better. Josh. Uh,
2: in my view, for him to take that next step, get the 40 touchdown passes and be under double digits and in interception, something that didn't happen last year. He hit a rough spot. The Buffalo bills for about four weeks last year hit a funk. I don't know why, but again, this is a very, very tough league, but they added someone in the draft that I think is going to play a very big role. His name is James Cook. He was part of that two, two-headed 2 uh, running back tandem at the University of Georgia. Thought the Bills were a little bit below average or just average at the running back spot. I know they wanted some extra juice there, and I don't mean a James. James Cook gives him speed and the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I saw one of their preseason games, because I'm still a football guy, Whitlock. I still watch August football. Um, I like what I see out of this guy. He may not be a 25 carry heavy duty back, but in today's football, where everything is one back, three, four wide, he can be used and deployed as an extra receiver. I think he's going to be a very, very key weapon for Buffalo.
0: Uh, I kind of like Patrick Mahomes at plus 900 for the MVP Mm -hmm. and that's not a homer pick that's just about value Josh Allen plus 650 Tom Brady plus 850 the other guy how can you ever count Aaron Rodgers out of an MVP race Uh, but I I don't I I don't I would say this I don't think Josh Allen is going to win the MVP and that's no knock on Josh Allen I think he's super talented but
2: go ahead a couple of those names you mentioned Tom Brady has two issues. His offensive line is banged up. They lost guys early in camp. And he seems to be getting bull rushed by Giselle. That thing's on the rocks. Let me just tell you <laughs> something. When Tom goes back into that mansion, as they say, he's sleeping on the couch. I, I mean, honestly, for all the heat that Leo Di, Leonardo DiCaprio gets, I get it now. I get Because if Tom Brady can't have a good marriage, man, maybe DiCaprio had a point this whole time. Maybe he's giving the blueprint. The other thing, Aaron Rodgers. Who's he throwing to? I, I mean, he's losing an absolute number one guy in Devontae Adams. And with that said, I'm going to segue, because that's what I do. I'm a television broadcasting pro. Derek Carr's a dark horse for MVP. I know me and you have different opinions about this. I've, I've always been a little bit more favorable To Derek, maybe not a luxury car, but I think this year with Devontae Adams, a healthy Darren Waller, oh, I kind of like the numbers he's going to put up there with Josh McDaniel. Watch Derek Carr. Don't put thoughts in my head. I'm a Derek Carr fan as well, Uh, but
0: you've given me an excellent excuse to bring Shamika into this conversation with your (laughs) Giselle comments. Honest to goodness, are you aware of this, that there may be trouble between Tom Brady and Giselle Bungeon You're not aware?
1: No, and I'm devastated because that's why I even like Tom Brady, because of Giselle and their Oprah interview. You know, I didn't think I was going to have much to add to this conversation. I was thinking, why is it a ball if it's (laughs) oblong? (laughs) But But
0: I don't know if, well, I do kind of, you know, Brady disappeared for like 11 days from training camp. Okay. And it wasn't injury related. He just disappeared and came back and said, I got a lot of SHIT going on in my life. I'm an old man. Mm. And then uh, the New York Post, I think Page Six, which is, reported that uh, there's problems between Giselle and Tom, and that's why he disappeared. She's upset that he came back. You know, he originally retired. Then he came back Mm -hmm. and said he's playing at age 45, and she's tired of raising the kids on her own, and she thought he was committed to retirement, and so there's problems. And and, and I got to be honest with you, and uh, Steve, I'm kind of glad you brought it up. Uh, I take Giselle's side on this.
1: You do? I don't. Wasn't he a football player before they got together?
0: Yeah, and her expectations were, well, when they got married, Mm -hmm. was like, he'll be done by 40. And and if he says he's retiring, Mm -hmm. and I start making my mind up or setting my expectations, or, well, he said he's retiring, he said he's done. And so she feels like she's reached the finish line, I've supported you, and then he comes back to play one more year, if not two more years, I think she has every right to be upset because look, happiness is based on expectations. Don't don't dangle the retirement care, uh, carrot in front of her and then snatch it away and expect her not to be mad about it.
1: But she knows him better than I do. And even when he announced his retirement, I didn't think it was final. I don't know, maybe because Michael Jordan retired and then came back, but you know this man, so you should know that playing football is his passion, and so this is the man that you married. Suck it up, Girl Scout. It, it'll be okay, You know, hopefully he doesn't get hurt, but I take his side. I think women um, have been breaking men for too long and trying to get them to come away from the very thing that gives them the lifestyle they're able to enjoy.
0: No. Giselle's mm, worth no, 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 no. <laughs> more money than Tom Brady.
1: Well, I'm sure she would not have married a a man off the street. So she is enjoying a cushy lifestyle because of who he is as well. She's been off the runway for a long time. You know, so hey guys, I think she should just suck it up.
2: I've got so Go many ahead. thoughts here, but this this is where America truly misses the sage wisdom of Kevin Samuels. Rest in peace. But let, let me Bring a few points here. The next time an athlete says that when they're retiring, I want to spend more time with my wife and kids. Are we going to stop believing that crap? It's not true. But this takes me back to one of the great lines of the Rocky franchise. Remember when Rocky and Adrian went on their first date, I think the day before Thanksgiving and they're going to the, uh, the ice ranking gave the guy a 20 spot for 10 minutes, ended up getting three and adrian said to rocky well um uh, why do you fight and he says because i can't sing or dance and i think that's the point Shamita's making she knew what she was getting into he can't sing or dance and then you go to rocky 4 apollo creed dies oh man that russian just hammered him so he says i'm gonna fight drago and then once again adrian who was a buzzkill throughout that whole series she was never the most supportive wife by the way so they're arguing inside their mansion And Rocky said it. You know, you married a fighter. So the bottom line is very simple. Tom has always been clear, guys. I want to play till I'm 50. Didn't he say that, Jason? So why is she stunned by this? Stand by your man. Jeez, sick of it. Poor soccer mom. Stunned
0: because he said he's retiring. (laughs) And you know, don't let that. Don't use the R word if you have no intention. Don't change someone's expectations. Uh, Jason, one so, last point. Yeah, I'm going to side with Giselle, even though Jason, I don't want Tom. I'm still on Team Tom, but I'm siding with Giselle in
2: this dispute. Jason, one last point. I don't understand. If, Jay, if if Tom didn't want any heat, I was thinking about this. Why didn't he just say I'm going through mental health struggles? This way, nobody can question you. If he just oh, would have said, hey, guys, I'm going through some. Oh, <laughs> then he would have been courageous when he comes back. Now this guy's arguing with the old lady. He's got to take all this stuff. Again, Tom, next time you and Giselle have an issue, Pull out the mental health card. It works every single time. Trust me. Just saying. All right.
0: Because Steve has hijacked this show, we've talked about Brittany <laughs> Griner, now we've talked about Giselle Bundchen and Tom Brady. I I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here, guys. I'm going to take care of some business. I want to talk about my good friends at Crowd Health, and then we'll come back and continue the football conversation. What if you could have your health care, put back in your hands instead of being sold to the highest bidder. Politicians, big pharma, and health insurance companies make enormous profits at the expense of your health. That's why crowd health works. It's not health insurance. You can see any doctor you want, you pay the first 500 and submit any bills from there. The crowd health community takes care of the rest. No doctor networks, no huge premiums or deductibles best of all no surprises this is a game changer in the community healthcare industry you just pay one low monthly total it's less than 200 a month for most people stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars go to joincrowdhealth.com now and experience freedom from health insurance right now you can get your first six months for just 99 dollars per month that's almost Fifty percent off the normal price, and a lot less than a high deductible health care plan. Just go to joincrowdhealth.com. Use my promo code Fearless at signup. That's joincrowdhealth.com. Promo code Fearless. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions apply. This is a great option for those of you guys that like independence and control. JoinCrowdHealth.com. All right, let's go back uh, to football. Uh, Steve, I want to know if you find this interesting as I do. Listen to these three names that are not on NFL rosters right now Odell Beckham Jr., Cam Newton, and Antonio Brown. And so if we rolled the clock back th- three years ago, four years ago, and said, you know what, 2022, opening day rosters, OBJ, Cam Newton, and Antonio Brown would all be free agents. I would actually go, that's interesting, that's fascinating. I wouldn't be upset by it. I would be like, hey, guys that uh, are distractions, guys that don't embrace the right team-oriented values, um, eventually pay a price. And so, OBJ obviously is not on a roster, primarily because of his knee injury and health issue. And, and he's allegedly has several teams uh, in the running for him. But, if OG, OBJ's reputation wasn't as tarnished as it is, he would be on someone's roster under some huge contract, and he would be rehabbing while getting paid from that organization. So, yes, it's health-related. That's why he's not on a team to some degree, but it's also attitude and behavior-related, why no one has showered him with a huge contract and has him rehabilitating on their dime. Cam Newton obviously uh, played his way out of the league. He's certainly worthy of being someone's backup quarterback, but people don't want to deal with the baggage. People don't want to deal with the persona that Cam created about himself. Uh, They don't want other guys in the locker room thinking he should be our starting quarterback. They don't want the persona of a guy that carries himself like he's a franchise quarterback when right now he has no more to offer the team than being a backup. And clearly, Antonio Brown has pissed away his NFL career. Yes, he's 34 and he's older and longer in the tooth, but he certainly has the talent to be on an NFL roster, but he's crazy and teams don't want to be associated with him. Uh, but I, I, I think I can put all three of these guys in the same category and saying there is a price for bad behavior and for, for not embracing a true team-building mentality they're all paying that price to different degrees. Obviously, Antonio Brown and Cam Newton to a wor- worse degree than OBJ, but but you know there 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 is a price to being a malcontent and a clown.
2: I think much of that is true, and they're also I think all two uh, all three are probably close to thirty or well above it, and, and thirty. That is like the expiration date with Milk that was five days ago. Generally, the NFL just throws that out. They pour it right into the sink. Let me defend OBJ a little bit, though. I think his situation is a little bit different. I think you're being a tad harsh on him. OBJ last year, I believe that his reputation was at an all-time low as his run with Cleveland came to this really ignominious finish. But to give him credit... Over time, he became a very effective bookend to Cooper Cup. And if you actually look at the playoff run, or the last quarter of that season, OBJ played well. He was not a malcontent. He fit in well. Sean McVay started to actually feature him a little bit as the secondary receiver. And let's go back to that Super Bowl at SoFi. OBJ was having a really nice game before he blew out his knee on that crossing route. So, Look, as soon as he gets a clean bill of health, and I haven't really kept up on it, he will find his way in the National Football League because he showed that he can be a team player. He can put his own goals behind that of the team, and he's still effective. The other two guys are gonorrhea and syphilis. Just get them out of here. I I mean, honestly, I wouldn't (laughs) touch them with a 10-foot pole. Now, to be fair to AB, it looks to me – Like he has completely moved on from football and good for him. He's doing concerts. He's making up dances. Not exactly the Roger Rabbit or Cabbage Patch, just my own opinion. But it looks like he's found the next step of his career. I do feel a little bit of sympathy for Cam because I get the sense that he still wants to play football. But he's like that aging diva who's lost her looks, put on 20 pounds, and has never really grasped middle age that if you're going to be a backup quarterback, you have to be a team player, you have to be quiet, and you have to fit in. So to wrap this thing up, I would say that OBJ, again, he's the common cold or the flu. He'll heal up. He'll be healthy. And the other two guys, gonorrhea or syphilis, don't want anything to do with them. Totally different situations.
0: Wow. He 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 basically, Shamika. let me translate that into something that maybe is more accessible to you. He He called Cam Newton... A side chick, Mm. and and that he's got to get used to being a side chick, and Cam's not a mentality is not to be a side chick. Cam was like, because again, you know you got the wrong side chick when she wants to stick her head out your car window like a dog.
1: Right, (laughs) snap pictures of you while you're sleeping, (laughs) (laughs) and that's Cam.
0: So I, I I I agree with that. Only thing, let me push back a tiny bit on OBJ, uh, Steve. Uh, he got jailhouse religion. He got the Browns got it. tired of him. Yeah, and so last year, the, the Brams had him backed into a corner. His reputation was tarnished. Uh, and and so he needed to be on his best behavior uh, last year. And he was. But th- there are smart people around the league It's like, Oh, i'm not fitting to, and obj i think is 29. i'm not fitting to give obj a monster monster contract with guaranteed money because once he's free from that prison he's going to be obj again and so you're right last year backed into a corner he behaved himself that won't last and i think a lot of people in the nfl know that and that's why there's only just a handful of teams and the super bowl contending type teams that uh, have an interest in him for the right price. Uh, If there was somebody out there willing to give OBJ, you know, $20 bucks a year or whatever, he would be on a team and he wouldn't care whether they're a Super Bowl contender or not. I just think he's got jailhouse religion.
2: Okay, well, here's the, you know what? Okay, about Abdullah Muhammad Beckham, you may have a point, but perhaps, you know what? I'll agree with you in this sense. Maybe he's most effective now as a really talented second receiver. Perhaps his days as the primary wide receiver one, they might be over. And and again, you saw how effective he was as Cooper Cup was deployed all over the field. He was the primary guy. He's the one that Stafford really trusted. But if you're willing to be that second banana with the way teams throw the ball now, A second receiver can get 75 to 80 grabs because guys like Cooper are getting 100 plus. Going back to your analogy of Cam, maybe Cam was that wife, right, who was the homecoming queen that married the homecoming king in Carolina, had a great marriage. But then they got divorced. And then all of a sudden at age 50, it's sad. They don't spend time with their grandkids. They start a TikTok and an OnlyFans account. Maybe that's what Cam is. How about that? I think it's more than a. s I, I don't the side piece thing I get it. But isn't he that forty five year old again that starts The OnlyFans? Maybe that's a more apt comparison.
0: I can't go there with Cam only because <laughs> I'm Cam is one of my favorite players to watch. I was always oh. rooting for him, even go Please back to his days at okay. Auburn. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so I don't want to beat up on him too hard. I, again, I was always on the rec, cut that hair, man, quit trying to put on the fashion show, just play football. He's going to live with those regrets. That guy had Hall of Fame talent, and he won't get a whiff of the Hall of Fame because he jacked it up. Uh, but overall, Cam's well-intentioned, but he's clueless, and he has no excuse because he's got great parents. Uh, mm. he, he has no excuse. The, the, the talent is what led him astray. Uh, finally, let's talk about one last quarterback because that's all we really do in the NFL is talk about quarterbacks. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a contract deadline uh, for Friday, and and it's I think he's going into his fifth year, and he does it, he most of these guys get their new uh, Kyler Murray got his new contract after three years. Uh, certainly, Lamar Jackson, after four years, is expecting to have it rained on him, and he probably wants similar money to all these other guys that are getting around $50 million a year. It, it seems like uh, Baltimore is a teeny bit reluctant. What, what do you think happens here with Lamar Jackson? Do the Ravens meet the deadline? Does Lamar Jackson play on Sunday if they don't meet the deadline?
2: Uh well this is the problem with being Lee Steinberg Jackson when he represents himself. I thought it was real interesting that a reporter asked him a day or two ago, hey, what's going on with your contract negotiations? He goes, Oh, I don't know. You'd have to ask our GM. I'm like, Lamar, you're your own agent. If nobody if you don't know, nobody does. See, here's the issue. Baltimore has, I believe, a catch twenty two. With Lamar's particular style of play, physical erosion is going to hit him differently because he's very reliant on his legs. That doesn't mean that he's not a great passer or that he can't pass, but we know that there are certain things he doesn't do well. But the other thing is with Baltimore, are you sure that you can get someone better? And how long will that take? I mean, I don't know of a quarterback. Well, I'll say this. There's about five or six quarterbacks that are closely tied to their teams, that when you think of Kansas City, you immediately think of Mahomes. When you think of the Bills, you immediately think of Josh Allen. When I think of the Baltimore Ravens, I think of Lamar Jackson. I really believe he actually might be the second most popular Baltimore Raven of all time behind the great Ray Lewis. So the organization might feel a lot of pressure, even if the play may not dictate this half-billion-dollar type of contract that other quarterbacks have gotten to say, you know what, we have to do this or we're going to lose the fan base. Now, what I don't like is when you represent yourself, you have to put on edicts like, well, as soon as the season starts, we're cutting it off. Jason, isn't that why you have an agent? So that that guy can go in there behind closed doors and during the season and give you a peace of mind moving forward?
0: It is. Lamar's in a tough spot, though, because he plays the position so physically. Injury is always a risk on virtually every snap. He goes out there and gets hurt. That could really hurt his contract value even more so. Remember, Dak got hurt in a contract to speak with his ankle and still got his money because Dak's primary strength is throwing the ball. Lamar's... Primary strength is still the threat of running, which makes his passing even better. He gets some sort of leg injury, he becomes less of a running threat. Uh, you know, he, he's he's got less value. So Lamar's in a very tricky situation, uh, and, and the the, pro, the my problem with him being his own agent is at his age. And I love Lamar Jackson but it's hard to get your ego out of the way at his age. And th- that when you start representing yourself and you're having those conversations with people and you see yourself, cause trust me, Lamar Jackson sees himself as the best player in the NFL. And so that means he wants the most money or he wants to be right there with everybody else. And, and there may be an agent that could come in and Now he's dependent on the team to come in and come up with some kind of contract number they can put out to the press that, that may be some smoke and mirrors that protect your ego uh, and create the appearance, oh yeah, he's the highest paid quarterback on paper and we can put this out there, and, and Lamar may not have an agent who's manipulating the deal in that way that protects Lamar's ego, allows the deal to get done, spins everything out in the media the way that he wants because that's really the value that particularly these agents at CAA and these other firms yeah. they make sure they have such control over the Sports media they spend these contract numbers out any way they want them spun out Lamar doesn't have that Yeah, uh, you know, he's gonna be relying on his football team to spin this story the way that he wants and and as the, the vaccine mandates and all the pressure they put on the waiting on these NFL teams to protect the players or to do what's in the best interest of the players. Good luck with that.
2: Yeah. And, and Jason, one last thought last year. Let's be fair. When he was healthy, the Ravens were right in the playoff thick, just as they are most of the years. It's a very stable franchise. But the league had begun to catch up to that style of offense. And I've talked about this before. I've seen some videos. The league understood if you bring a zero blitz package and you bring five defensive rushers and you plug every gap, their quick passing game has to be better. And this is where Lamar has to be a more efficient quarterback where it becomes snap, one, two, three, ball out. Can't play hero ball every single play. And I think that's going to be a real interesting development is to see have the Ravens figured out the zero blitz and do they have wide receivers that can win one-on-one quick matchups and does the ball get out of Lamar's hands quickly enough to make the game easier? Because you look at every other quarterback, Jason, just study it, there's at least 15 times a game where the ball is one, two, three, bang, it's out. The game is really easy for Lamar it's about you got to maybe Fran Tarkenton. you got to scramble you got to go through a slalom of defenders and then make magic happen it's a very very difficult style to sustain over the long haul uh,
0: before we get to this approval rating on Josh Allen give me your super bowl quick very your super bowl pick very quickly
2: Yeah, very simple. I think the Bills have the best roster. I think they should have been there last year. I'm going to pick the Bills. And believe it or not, NFC is very weak. I think the Rams, with the addition of Bobby Wagner, if they still have great years left with Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald, I think tonight will be a preview of what we see in February. Huh. I'm going to pick
0: the Chiefs. Just what? and and what yeah who I really want huh. to pick, but I don't have the courage to do. I don't have the courage to make the pick that I want to make. I want to pick the Chargers, but I can't pick an AFC West team. I don't want to piss off people in Kansas City. I I, I, I like Justin Herbert chicken. <laughs> uh, a lot, and and so I I guess I've just made two picks because now I can brag and say, see, I told you the Chargers, and the Chargers probably won't even make the playoffs. But anyway, that's what I think. <laughs> Uh, let's get to our approval rate all right uh josh allen we both love him uh Shameka likes him we love him job performance uh i'm i'm he was not the mvp last year he was in the race for quite some time uh but i'm gonna give him a 22 in job performance you're you're way. I'm looking at your your score. You got him damn near perfect What how the guy wasn't MVP. How's he going to be a 24?
2: There's only one MVP. But if you look at his playoff performance from that flawless performance against New England and that legendary stuff, he did at arrowhead uh, that was beyond his control when they blew that lead. That's the next step. If he would have won the MVP or the Super Bowl, I would have given him the twenty-five, but you should just be glad that I have a rating that doesn't end in a zero or a five. There, are you happy? I
0: agree. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, that's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm glad you your math skills are improving. That's the benefit of being on this show. Uh, character, uh, I'll give him a nineteen. He got a little jam with his teammates about something that I can't remember. Right Did he now. drop there, the N word some-
2: on a rap lyric on a tweet years ago? Was that the thing?
0: Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Which, yeah, you know, I'm uh, not gonna hold that against him. But he had, a, I gave him a 19 in uh, character.
2: You know, I gave him a 21 because it seems to me like he has really strong worth that uh, ethic. Remember, when coming out of Wyoming, they say he could throw it a country mile, but he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He's that rare quarterback, Jason, who's actually become a more accurate passer. Word is, you're not allowed, or even, poss- it's not even possible to improve that. He actually has. So I give him a 21.
0: Yeah, you know what? He's, he's kind of like, you know what? He's the ultimate Randall Cunningham at this point. Mm. Uh, you know, not quite the runner Randall was, but a better passer than Randall uh, probably ever thought of being. Authenticity, uh, I think he's pretty authentic. Good old boy from Wyoming or wherever he's from. Uh, stuck to his. I gave him a 21 in authenticity.
2: Went to school in Wyoming. I think he actually grew up in a rural area of California, if I'm not mistaken. But he seems to be the type of guy you could trust with the hundreds of millions of dollars. Great face of the franchise. He's a real leader. Seems to be a really earnest individual. So I gave him a 20.
0: Uh, It factor. One of the most exciting players in the league. Kind of can't miss TV. Uh, I gave him, you know, but he's not Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or aaron Rodgers, so i gave him a 17 in it factor
2: you know it's hard to have the it factor when you're in buffalo which which some people call the toronto of new york uh until he wins a super (laughs) bowl i gotta make him a 15 because i don't think he has that national profile as a transcendent figure like a peyton manning or like a tom brady but overall it's a 15 with the chance to grow
0: uh Steve, I think this is the first time we're in total agreement. We both have him at at an 80, a smoke show. Uh, Shemoke show, kind of like Shamika Michelle. (laughs) Shemoke show. In honor, we gave, uh, so you're the Josh Allen of this show, Shamika. The MVP uh, favorite. All right, uh, thank you, Steve. Great job. Uh, Who was among the first people to challenge the narrative in the BYU Duke volleyball case? (laughs) It wasn't the mainstream media. Who brought you the facts about Serena Williams place in tennis, in tennis history? Wasn't ESPN, it was fearless. It was me. If you've watched this show long enough, you know, I do not back down to the mob. I start the conversations that the rest of the media are afraid to discuss. And we do it with integrity and honesty. We know there is one thing that has no place on big tech, social media platforms. The truth. How many times have voices like Steven Crowder been punished by big tech for putting a toe across their line? That's why I'm on Blaze TV. It's the platform for free speech loving Americans where we can have the conversations not allowed by Silicon Valley overlords. So if or when there's retaliation, I'll still be on Blaze TV doing exactly what I do here, being fearless. If you're not yet a subscriber, Now's a great time to become one. Use the promo code FEARLESS20 for $20 off your first year of Blaze TV. It's just not me there. It's Steven Crowder. It's Glenn Beck. It's Steve Dace. And so many more. Good men and good women. Did I even mention Ali Beth Stuckey, my favorite? We're all fighting the good fight. Join today. Let's make sure we continue building the fearless army. Make sure we can support Blaze and the people supporting the Fearless Army, the people that believe in what we believe in. Log on to blazetv.com and use the promo code FEARLESS20 for $20 off your first year. Be fearless, join Blaze TV, be a good soldier. It's the small things you can do that will make a difference, support Blaze TV. All right, you can email me and us at fearless at theblaze.com, Delano Squires joins us when trying to make sense of the criminal violence ravaging Memphis, it's important to recognize that culture kills, not color. The fixation on color stands in the way of addressing the cultural rot that has turned the home of the blues into Satan's house of horror. Memphis is America's most dangerous city. Each day brings new news of the chaos and anarchy terrorizing the birthplace of rock and roll. Wednesday, a teenage black boy streamed on Facebook Live his day-long shooting spree. Ezekiel Kelly's murderous rampage caused Memphis residents to shelter in place as law enforcement hunted the deranged 19-year-old. Shooting out the window of two separate moving cars, Kelly killed four people and wounded three others in a joy ride that started at 1 a.m. and ended in the early evening with his arrest. Kelly is just the latest Memphis killer to make national news. A week ago, Cleotha Abston, a 38-year-old black man, abducted, raped, and murdered a school teacher out on an early morning jog. In mid-July, a trio of Latino boys, aged 15 to 20, murdered a 52-year-old female pastor during a carjacking. In mid-August, 32-year-old Tiffany Wright, a black woman, shot and killed a 60-year-old political activist in a dispute over money. The recent high-profile spate of violence will make Memphis a national talking point. Memphis is the new Chicago, the new Baltimore, the new Philadelphia, the new Compton, the new name the major city plagued by violent crime. The conversation will be justifiably framed as a black problem or a problem for people of color. Justifiable is not the same as accurate. Culture kills, not color. Black people have embraced a culture of death. Virtually every day on social media, someone accuses me of unfairly criticizing black people. I allegedly hate myself and other black people because I constantly criticize black influencers who advocate for black people by policing the behavior and culture of white people. Yesterday, after publishing my column about why South Carolina basketball coach Don Staley should fear Memphis far more than Provo, Utah, A man purporting to be a Christian minister complained that I was anti the black agenda. Staley canceled South Carolina's games against Brigham Young University because a BYU fan allegedly yelled a racial slur at a Duke volleyball player. I argued that Staley's players would be far more in danger in Memphis in 2023 than in Provo, Utah at any time. I don't hate myself or black people. I hate the culture black people have embraced. I'm critical of the high-profile advocates of the progressive, secular, hedonistic, and materialistic culture that currently defines black culture. They have a worldview that directly opposes my biblical worldview. They believe the highest form of humanity is victimhood. I reject that. With Jesus on my side, I cannot fail. My ultimate victory is assured. They believe that white people control the destiny of black people. I reject that too. They believe in the attainment of financial wealth by any means necessary. I don't. They believe the improvement of white people improves black people. I believe my improvement improves me. I could go on and on. Bottom line, the culture is is Satanic its wicked intent and manifestation can be most easily seen in commercial hip hop music. Memphis's importance to the culture elevated a year ago when a relatively unknown rapper, Young Dolph, was murdered. Corporate media and the other satanic uh, co-conspirators all pretended that Young Dolph was Young Elvis Presley. Young Dolph was nothing more than a local Memphis rapper who promoted a satanic worldview. His successor is his cousin, Jay Fizzle, a 28-year-old deadbeat with more than 20 kids. Fizzle recently sat down for an interview with at least 15 of his baby mamas. He wants to do a TV show about his kids and their mothers. Take a look for yourself. Old time, man. Hey, man, you know we're going now, man. Big Piper out being Yes, sir, man, welcome back, bro, and man, what did you bring with you today? Shit. Yeah. Bit down. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, this is a first for the porch, man. No. You No. Know.
3: No, we do it big. Yeah. One-on-one. Got man. You know, you people bring that whole crew. You brought the baddies out for them. Today. Yeah, man. I like hanging out with females, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I with it, man.
1: Hey, man. Hey, hey somebody tell me this shit they got them 30 kids, man. I think me and him need to do a show together. You feel me, like, hit 30, my 22, you feel me, that's
0: 52. Man. If you want to understand what's the matter with Memphis, watch the entire Jay Fizzle interview on YouTube. If you want to understand why I call the culture satanic, watch the entire Jay Fizzle interview. Baby Mama Culture produces 19-year-olds who live stream their killing sprees. The destruction of family destroys all morals, norms, and order. Culture kills, not color. I will never apologize for hating the culture that celebrates, tolerates, and proliferates a mindset that teaches black people to see themselves as victims dependent on white guilt and criminals. Our fixation on color prevents us from examining the culture we've adopted or been assigned. Last week, the Tennessee Titans announced a partnership with the Memphis rap group 36 Mafia. The NFL franchise hired DJ Paul and Juicy J to write a theme song for the organization. This is an example of the NFL being inclusive and reaching out to the black community. Take a look we don't keep returning or whatever, they always play like a, some turned up music, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking, because that's something that really the crowd's really getting into, because they like, shoot, it's about to, you know say the game about to pop off. So. Yeah. Like we running hoop, like I said, hoop. Like hoop, 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 hoo. like that, like yeah, something like that. Like you said, if you got that hoop, hoop, boom. So then yeah. the crowd know, like, bro, it's time to turn up. run running? I like that. I mean, I think that's something to be dope. It's dope. Yep. I think that'd be real. Fox. Three Six Mafia is a clever way of saying six, 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 six the number that signifies the devil. The Antichrist is taken from the book of Revelations, chapter 13, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, 103 score, and six. The evil is hiding in plain sight. Look at the NFL's choice in Super Bowl halftime entertainment last year. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Eminem the most powerful force in popular culture, the NFL, which is the number one TV show on five different TV networks. The NFL believes the best way to show affection towards black people is by embracing a musical genre that celebrates a satanic worldview. The culture is killing us. It's not white people or black people killing us. It's the culture we've chosen to embrace. I'm going to continue to objecting to this culture. I'm going to continue criticizing the black and white people who promote this death culture. That makes me a sellout. Consider me bought and sold. That's my fire for today. Uh, I, if you, it, it's I'm, I'm just sad even talking about this. Uh, When I wrote about it this morning, I was sad. When I looked at that video of Jay Fizzle with all his baby mamas bragging about having 22 kids, talking about let's do a TV show with a guy that has 30 kids. And there's no objection. There's no real objection to this. And then we look at Memphis and I see a 19-year-old kid videotaping himself driving around Memphis, shooting and killing people. When you destroy the family, when you destroy the family, you're destroying everything. And that's what we've done. We can't sit around and laugh about a man that has 22 kids and 15, 16 baby mamas and he's doing interviews and it's being celebrated. We talked about Nick Cannon last week. We talked about it several times on this show. But it's like this whole. When black lives matter and their whole, we're going to destroy the nuclear family. This is satanic. And and again, I'm trying to I'm not saying that loosely. I'm saying it's in complete objection to God's design. And we're wondering why our fruit is so bad. Why our kids are running wild in the street, videotaping themselves, killing people on Facebook live. And we want to talk about Provo, Utah, and we want to demonize little Mormon kids in Provo, Utah as if they're the problem. And what happened to Rachel Richardson is the problem. And again, I don't believe it happened, but even if it did, it ain't the problem an ignorant white or black person calling me the N word ain't the problem. That man sitting on camera with 15, 16, 17 baby mamas, that's the problem. We need to address it. This culture that has embraced it and celebrated, it that's the problem. I don't, I, I say this in all, I don't know, I don't personally know any white people that have a problem with black people over skin color. I really don't. At this, I used to when I was younger, but in 2022, I, I don't, that's not the problem. I don't, and I certainly don't have a problem with my skin color or people that look like me. I have a problem with people that embrace a culture that is killing us. That's the problem. <sighs> Shamika, uh, we're gonna bring uh, Delano into this discussion. Delano, I appreciate you uh, waiting patiently. I had to get a few things uh, off my, my chest, but uh, Shamika, I'm gonna start with you ladies first. Uh, when you heard yesterday about nineteen year old black kid filming himself, driving around shooting people in Memphis, what was your what your first thought reaction
1: There's a saying that I used to hear growing up, and that was F-s and flies I do despise and I am sick of us as black people acting as if we don't see what's happening. And when I look at 36 Mafia and I think of people like Snoop and Dr. Dre, these are older people. This is my generation. <laughs> Once you get to a certain age, you have a responsibility to start teaching those that are younger than you the right way to go. It doesn't matter that I used to be a stripper. I don't go out here and advocate for young girls like, hey, make that money, girl. No. I try to teach them a better way from the way that I took, and so I think it's irresponsible when black people sit around and act as if they don't see it, number one. They want to promote the same lifestyle that they live, that you made it out. These kids are not making it out. They are dying every day, and so if you are irresponsible and not teaching the right thing, what we need to do is black people, instead of uh, people saying, oh, you know, you, you hate yourself or you hate black people we should hate the foolishness we should start shaming them and making them the laughing stock instead of putting them on TV and having these interviews we should be shaming them uh, uh, to oblivion that they feel like they don't even want to come out with this type of lifestyle if you have 22 kids out of wedlock with all of these these baby mamas you should feel ashamed that you wouldn't even mention that stuff I can remember growing up when uh, kids, young girls would get pregnant. My high school would ship them off to a different school. When you saw that this girl was missing, you knew that she was knocked up. It wasn't celebrated. We weren't throwing baby showers at the school. We weren't looking for her to bring the child up to the school we need to bring shaming back because we have started accepting all of this behavior that is killing us. And we need to start ridiculing these people, no matter the age, and and saying, no more, because we see what's happening and it's not okay. It's ridiculous that a person would feel like, let me go on Facebook Live to do something that is not only illegal, it's shameful, it's disgusting, and people get celebrated for stupidity. It's, it's time out for that.
0: Delano, uh, I want you to join the discussion and just, Memphis is being plagued by a series of heinous crimes. Uh, the city, I believe, is 64, 65% black. Uh, I don't think you can blame what's going on in Memphis on, on white people. Uh, when you saw the events of yesterday, what, what thoughts ran through your mind? It,
3: um, there were a lot of thoughts, Jason. I think uh, I saw one image of the, the shooter, or lead shooter, right, I'm just keep myself out of legal trouble, um, where he had like a semicircle of dollars, and then um, two guns that were sort of, so clearly he, he staged this picture, and I'm assuming it's to show people, look, uh, you know, I keep I keep a gun on me and I keep money on me. And and those are the things that, are, to your point, point back to the, quote unquote, the culture, right? Because I, I think we would all agree that we don't want to say that every individual action of any particular black person is a reflection on all black people, right? So I don't take that position. But when you talk about culture, you're talking about the beliefs, the behaviors, the norms, the values—things that are considered uh, normal and accepted within a, a defined group of people. And within sort of the broader black culture, the, t- to your point, like the gangster rap stuff, the the you know the music—all of those values have become accepted. And i and I've even debated. And this is one area in which, I mean, I know the black left. I know how they get down. But I am often disappointed by black conservatives who will defend the quote unquote culture because they'll say, oh, look, hip hop is how, you know, these guys work the capitalist system, going back to what y'all were talking about last week with Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And, and they built wealth. And as soon as they built wealth, oh, look, now you want to change the rules of the game. No, it's not that. It's not, it's not that at all. It's not, it's not that I'm, I'm upset that black people get money, it's I'm upset that some black people have chosen to get rich uh, by pushing the destruction of a ton of other black people, right? And and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. In the same way, all everybody I knew growing up, whether you, you were from Philly or New York or D.C. or what Atlanta, wherever, we would all have the same stories. Why they put all the, the greasy chicken shacks in the hood, why they put the liquor stores in the hood, why they uh, promote... Cigarettes in the hood, everything that, that they, the white man, right, is doing is promoting death in our culture. Until it comes to um, uh, music and, and particularly hip hop, then it's, oh, well, it's making some people some money. You know, they give back to their neighborhoods. And I've said this before, we, our culture has played the harlot for way too long and way too cheap. And we use this term sellout in, in completely the wrong way. So I, I agree 100% with Shamika. Um, I, I, I have one, I would change what she said just so slightly. It's not that we don't have shame. We just shame all the wrong things. Because all three of us on a daily basis get bombarded by people who say, you a coon, you a tom, you a sellout, you a pick me, you, you playing up for white people. So they're trying to use shame to control our behavior. They want us to shut up. But then they turn around and let in all of the garbage, the nonsense, things that people would never push on their own kids. And that's how, and I look at this often as a father. Jason, particularly when my kids were young, if I had any question as to whether the milk I was about to give them was spoiled, right, I would I would I would open up the bottle, either smell it myself, and if I really wasn't sure, I'd pour out a little bit and I'll taste it before I give it to my kids. Now, I did this the other day, and I had a little batch of some sour milk, and I spit it out into the sink, because I would never give anything to my children that I would not consume myself, because I care for them, and I love them. But the people who claim to to speak for black folk have no problem pushing stuff on us that they know is complete garbage, because even the artists themselves, they talk about gangbanging, but they send their kids to private schools. They talk about the trap house, but they live in, in gated communities, and they've been doing this for well over a generation. And, and I do think it's, it's about time that, that we get much more serious about shaming them into stopping.
0: So when I looked at the video of the Jay Fizzle guy, mm. surrounded, I, I counted 17 women, but I went mm. conservative and said 15 just in case I, I miscounted. You know, I, it's, you know, I only got so many hands and feet. <laughs> Uh <laughs> But I, I kind of when I looked at that video and and thought it's not just him, it's the mm-hmm. seventeen women surround- that would put themselves in this position mm-hmm. to be videotaped. Many he's seems to be smoking a blunt. Half the women seem to be smoking a blunt or mm-hmm. passing a blunt, and so and, and so when I looked at him and then I thought. Well, he got 15 to 17 women to stand up here with him and promote this. This is when I I go, well, hold on. Who's the majority, us or them? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm questioning. And and other people that watch this video, that maybe live in communities or have social circles that don't include black people, when they look at that video, Mm. They're going there's seventeen women that's willing to go on camera with this dude as he brags about having all these kids and and and, and they will perhaps inaccurately. but in my in mind, again, I'll go justifiably con, con, conclude, well, this must be what the majority of black people think is okay,
1: yeah. Mm. All I see when I look at that is a bunch of h p v just a bunch of bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections in one <laughs> in one video cuz I can imagine he's probably still going between all of the women that they would mm-hmm. even be willing to get up there and promote his foolishness it's It's disgusting. We have no values as women, but I think we can see that because we don't even require a man to give us his last name anymore before having his his children. So it's like, are you saying, Okay, he's good enough for the child, but he's not good enough for you. Like, what is the message that we're sending to these kids? And again, you know a man that has this many children is not giving them anything of value to actually help them become productive citizens. So we already know these children are at school, cutting the food, mama don't have time, mama hide, daddy is somewhere with some other woman. They're gonna be menaces to society already, and I think when you bring a child into this world, when you conceive a child, knowing that you aren't ready to be the best parent you can be, you're already a bad parent. So there's a video of, of bad parents. So Delano,
0: and I, I, I want to be fair here, and I don't want to take cheap shots, but I, I am going to just, because I really want to understand, and maybe I'll text or or call Roland Martin or someone like this myself and just ask, when a Roland Martin or any of these, I'm trying Joy Reed mm-hmm. or Jamel Hill or whoever these uh, political ge- the Eli Mistel, mm-hmm. when they see this video, what do they think? What 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 excuse rationalization do they come up with and say, nah, I'm not gonna talk about this this isn't the problem. White people in Utah or white people calling us names, that's the problem. What logic, leaps in logic, or is it just money that makes them say, nah, I'm not going to address that. I'm paid to talk about white people and the names they call us in the communities where we don't even live uh, or exist. What What are they doing? What mental leaps? What's going on in their heads? I think there's a couple of things that they'll do. One, their editorial
3: directions are such that they they don't go looking for these stories. So I think when they come across th- these stories, they'll, and, and I could just see, you know, Roland Martin sassing about this and saying, oh, this this fool crazy, you know what I mean? and And sort of doing his neck. And he'll just write it off as a, as a you know, a fringe example of something. I don't think he's going to draw that broader connection between, uh, uh, you know, from this guy's actions to the culture, quote unquote. And when I say the culture in this context, I mean the fact that, you know, seven out of ten black children are born to unwed parents. And that that has exploded over the last, since you know, in the mid-sixties when it was one out of four. Um, so I don't think he's going to make that larger connection. But to the extent that you get these people, if you pin them down, or if it's a a story that's so big that they can't get around it, what they'll often do is say, even whether it's the the Memphis shooter or this this rap guy, they'll say even their behavior itself is a byproduct of systemic racism and white supremacy. They'll say it's redlining that um, restricted black people's ability to generate wealth. They'll say, um, you know, substandard schools, removing, you know resources from our public schools. Um, th- they'll use whatever excuse they can. They'll say the disappearance of jobs and and um, uh, mass incarceration. That's another popular one. So th- they will come up with all these excuses because to them, white people are the only people in this country who truly have agency. Um, Black people are passive recipients of the actions that white people take. But we, to them, we as a as a larger body can't do anything for ourselves. So that's why you you rarely hear them nowadays talk about individual responsibility or or agency. They don't use words like that because to them, um, human behavior is most uh, is impacted most by systemic forces, and they see white people as being in control of all of our uh, systems and institutions in this country
0: so you mentioned like wealth education jobs mass incarceration things like that but but there is money is not directly connected to morality no and, and i say that to to say that when i was poor and take my grandmother who's huge influence on me is particularly spirit this woman was never wealthy. Ever. <laughs> Lived in the hood, was never wealthy. She's the most moral person, I know. And 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 I'm going to even I'm going to take it away from religion and just go to my father who was not a believer. But he was a very moral person. And he had money, he was poor, he rode the roller coaster. But he was a moral person, and I say that because, uh, unlike me, my father was a really good-looking man. Women loved my father. And unbelievably immaculate dresser. And he liked women. A lot. He only had two kids. Mm. The two kids he had with my mama, who he was married to, he had the discipline not to have, and he had access. Women loved my father, and my father loved women. But he had a, a moral a morality to him. Like kids is really for marriage, and you know I did that with Joyce, and we had kids. The marriage didn't work out. He could find a condom. It's, it's I mean, he he had, and again I just morality isn't a, isn't a money thing. It, it, yeah. it, it's it's a choice, and this culture is so immoral, and and we're ignoring it, and and I don't understand the ramifications of this immorality of baby mama culture is so just right in front of our faces. Kids don't respect us. Kids are you know more violent mm-hmm. th- mm. towards us than anybody else. Uh, mm-hmm. Neighborhoods in total disarray, uh, it, it, it's, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And, and then I get accused, we get accused of, you know, we sold out and I get accused for coming on this show and, and you know, LeBron James and some of these other guys that I think are on board with this culture. I am hypercritical of, and I'm never going to apologize to that. Mm -hmm. Their worldview opposes my worldview, and I think their worldview is creating more Jay Fizzles, and I'm trying to call that out and point it out to people It's like, it's the culture, man. It's not our skin color. It's not white people's skin color. It's the culture we've chosen to adopt, and I keep trying to showcase people on this show that have a different culture that they have bought into a christian culture delano got a black wife and three kids and they're doing very well dave shannon got a black wife and seven kids and they're doing very well uh virgil walker black wife three or four kids doing very well shamika had a black husband three kids kids are doing well it it's This ain't color, it's a culture. It's what do you embrace? Mm -hmm. That's the only message we're trying to get across on this show, and I, I, I...
1: Yeah, I reject the notion that it has something to do with money for the simple fact that my mother had me at 15. She never gave me an excuse to go to school and cut up because we didn't have money. I can remember my grandmother putting a plate of macaroni and cheese and green beans in front of us and me saying, Where's the meat? And my grandmother's saying, the cheese is the meat. Because we were having hard times. But that didn't mean that we got to go out there and act any kind of way. I had friends who grew up in the projects. My friend had a piano in the projects. Now Mm. I know people in those same projects that have stripper poles. It's about the culture, we've changed. You're in the same economic state as my friends and her grandmother, but she was able to give my friends something better, morals and values, a different life, and it had nothing, like you said, to do with money. And so this idea, of course there are, we don't have the generational wealth that you know maybe some white people have, but to make that, as, as, um, make that an excuse as to why we act the way that we do now, No, that's not an excuse, it's not a good one.
3: Yeah, and and there's a couple things that come to mind when we talk about this. I think one of the big reasons we are where we are is because sort of mainstream black culture has become a lot less um, religious. And when I say religious, I'm not saying people don't go to church, even though that's becoming more the norm, particularly for younger generations. But the, the church is oftentimes not where people go to get their sense of moral formation. Um, the black church, in many respects, um, has become basically the NAACP with preachers. Right? It's all about social justice because the the ministers think that the worst type of oppression is is you know economic inequality and not oppression when as it relates to the bondage of sin. So as much as we talk about the culture and our ancestors, we have given up on the faith of our ancestors. And even our churches have been infiltrated by Marxist thinking, right? It's all about class conflict and power structures and materialism. Um, and when you think like that, when you think that a, that a person's actions are guided by how much money they, ha- they have in their pocket, you come up with totally different solutions to the problems you know that we're talking about. And, and so I agree with both of y'all, and I've asked people before, black, liberal, and conservative, I said, if money was the issue, why is it that so many um, black athletes and rappers catch major charges, I mean, on violent crimes, after they get their big paydays, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to give me an answer to that because they would have to admit. It's like th- these guys have, some of them have all the money in the world, and I could go through the list of, of rappers who have gotten arrested on gun charges, um, assaults, um, murder charges after they got their, their big payday. Because this this is about culture and we're a people that talk about oh you got to know your history and stuff. And I'm just like I, I agree with that. But can we first start b- by making sure that every child knows who their father is? But before we teach mm-hmm. who Mansa Musa was, can, can, we, can we start in the home? And, and what happens when you're disconnected from your family and, and from your, your father um, and, and your roots and your heritage is that, and, and Shamika was talking about this yesterday, you, you have no sense of honor when it comes to your family name, right? There were certain things, if me and my friends was cutting up, there are certain things we did not do because you say, you know what, we don't want to be a bad reflection on our parents. And my parents drilled that into me. They sent me to Catholic school for two years. I did well academically. I, it was not a good social environment for me. And they came to the school one time, and, and they saw my. They looked in my locker, and I, I had um, penny loafers. If people are old enough to remember that, and the front of the, of the loafer was sort of flapping like this because I run shoes into the ground, and my, my dad was like, "How can you you out there representing our family like this?" And, that? and to this day, I may hear about that story, because my parents took that stuff very very seriously. But again, if you have no connection to anything and all of your behaviors are based on what white people tell their kids over family dinner, then you you don't think like that. So I agree. We need to bring back shame as a prophylactic, as a preventative method. Once the woman got the baby, the baby's six years old. It don't make sense shaming her and say, oh, you know, where your baby father at? But before she has the child or before a guy impregnates 16 women, we should let it be known, right? You know, you know, like how they used to have sundown towns in in, in the South, and they say, "Look, if you're a black person, don't roll through there." We we should have, you know, moral sort of havens where we say, "Look, if you coming to this part of the black community, leave that garbage at the door. Don't come in here with this nonsense because we're we're not gonna tolerate it." So if if you if you think you're the type of man to impregnate six women and you're not married to any of them and you think that's a a mark of success and how manly you are, we're gonna help you feel some, if you don't feel shame, we're gonna help you feel some shame. I said, look at this guy. What kind of man don't take care of his own kids? And we, we need to start doing that to people because right now we don't have that. And part of the reason we don't have it is because we don't have the space to disagree about big issues publicly. The left has chosen not to engage with us on certain issues, right? Sometimes we'll 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 tag them. We'll ask them questions directly, and they just want to ignore it. I, I would love to see somebody. I'm thinking of like Tavis Smiley, who used to have the State of the Black Union. Get a bunch of black folks together that have different views, and let and let's talk it out, and let's let the different worldviews battle with one another. We we would see it as a fight between good and evil. They may see left and right, and and let's have these conversations publicly, to discuss. Where our the larger black culture is going, the direction we're going, because if we can't do that, as I've said before in the past on the show, then we're gonna have to have a separation. If 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 the cancer cannot be removed and it can't be, um, if if it can't be treated. If it can't be shrunk so that it's no longer a threat to the body, it has to be excised. It has to be removed, because if not, it's going to kill the entire body. So that may mean we say, you know what, I love you, you know, you, you're cool, with are cousins, whatever, whatever, but you can't come around my kids, because when you come around my kids with your 17 baby mamas, now you make my teenage sons think that that's the right thing to do, and I'm, and I'm not training them to be that type of man. So I, I think we are going to either... Get to the point where we have these debates, these arguments, vigorous arguments publicly, or we're we gonna have a great separation.
0: Delana, you've made this point before, but I, I was when I'm looking at those seventeen women sitting around this J physical, you've made the point about you know, women just aren't the proper gatekeepers, mm. and 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 that's what the women that agreed to sit down in this interview and be seen in this environment. They're co-signing, they are mm-hmm. promoting what this man has done, that there's no shame, they're right there with him, they're, they're hey, I got, I got one of his 22 babies, and so it's like, for women to draw that line in the sand, that era is gone, And and I wanted mm-hmm. to make this point to any single mothers that are out there watching this show, and and because and, and, uh, I made the point about my father. But there's an even stronger point to be made about my mother. Because me and my brother talked about this all the time as kids mm-hmm. and as mm-hmm. young adults. And we started mm-hmm. talking about what the amazing things my mother did and the sacrifices she made we call them sacrifices, but just the decisions she made, and one of the biggest ones. And, and it's the same one I'm giving my father credit for. I got to give my mother. My, my parent, I would think I was like five years old, and my brother was probably eight years old when my parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And so from five years old until age 17, I lived with my mother. My senior year of high school, I went and she moved to Kansas City. And I went and, and uh, went and lived with my father. And so for the next 12 years, I mean, me and my brother talked about it and we still talk about it to this day. For those 12 years, I knew my mother to have two boyfriends over the course of 12 years. Mm-hmm. She only dated two guys. Mm-hmm. And so I would say for the first three years, it was a dude named Andy. Mm-hmm. Still remembering Big Swole Up, Muscle Dude. Good guy, nice guy. And then uh, we ended up, I don't know what happened to their relationship, but by the time we moved, she took a second job and moved. There was a dude named Joe Dickerson, very close to uh, Joe's past now. But I would say for the next five to six, or for the rest of the time, that's who I knew my mother to date. Right. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I I did. She, there was no other man ever brought to our house, ever came and picked my mother up, uh, and and I said, well, my mother moved to Kansas City, and by the time I went off to college and uh, the rest of my life, I don't know who, if my mother dated anybody. Right. I'm sure in Kansas City, I'm sure she did. She her kids were grown. She was had. A, I'm sure she had a great social life. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet none of them Negroes. Right. And and right. and I'm just and and now you can't go, these kids is meeting new boyfriends every two or three months. Mm-hmm. That's
1: true. And he's in and out the house, and he is the one mm-hmm. scrambling all the eggs and drinking up all the Kool-Aid, just mm-hmm. taking away from the children. And that's what women allow now.
0: And so literally I'm just to. Te- Me and my brother, even as kids, we recognized it as Mm -hmm. or as young kids, by the time we were 12, 13, he's 15 years old, whatever, we would talk about like, man, you know, because we'd had other family members, I'm not gonna call names, or friends, that, you know, they mama had a new boyfriend, husband, or something, Mm -hmm. virtually every year. Yeah. And and we knew Joe and Andy, and that's all I've known. So as I'm gonna I'll go to my grave believing my mother slept with three men in her whole life, and I only got proof of one of them, and that's my father. Everything right. else is a mystery. I'm just assuming. Right. Uh, but, but that's what I and, and I, that's the kind of sacrifices mothers used to make for their kids. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. I'm looking at 17 women smoking mm-hmm. weed, surrounded by an idiot. Mm-hmm. And, right. That and they all got. Children that are brothers and sisters. Can you imagine the confusion mm, amongst yep. those kids? Yep. And the disparate treatment, and the jealousy, and envy, and you wonder why we can't build bonds among each other? You, you got kids that grow up hating their brothers and sisters because of the, the different treatment from all yep. these different baby daddies, and this mama family. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. One of the
1: things they tell you when you get divorced is to stabilize the children. And I think Mm. a lot of people are missing this, whether you are divorced or never been married, they are not realizing that they have to stabilize their children. If you don't do that, everything is gonna be chaotic. Everything is gonna be messed up. And you have to make sacrifices in order to make sure your kids feel stable and comfortable and safe. And that's just what has to take place. People often ask me, Why do me and my children's father get along so well? Well, for one, I wanted to stabilize the children. It wasn't about the two of us. It was about making sure we continued to raise three daughters who were going to be healthy individuals, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. I had to make sure that I was one of these mothers that made it easy for him to be in their life. I can't stand when I hear people say, why didn't he fight harder? He shouldn't have to fight it all. When it, if the children are your first priority, it's easy to get along with the person that you had kids with. The children are come first, period. And so, yeah, I never wanted to have another man step in and try to take over and be the father. No, I can wait. I mean, I'm gonna be a lot older, but I've already had kids, so there's no reason for me to try to rush into another relationship. My days of having children are over. My eggs are powdered, even though mm. I still release one every month. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, it's no fertilizing these things anymore. So I can wait until my kids are gone off and they're grown and they want to, you know, Going off into their new lives. I don't have to have a man in and out. Not gonna do that to my children because that's not what I want them to do in return. Delano,
0: yeah. I, I'm gonna give you the final say, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna add. I wanna add one little comment, and then you can take mm-hmm. it as long as you want. You can, you can summarize the whole conversation. But, but to the parents out there, and I know most of you already know this, but there are people that don't, and and these sacrifices I'm talking about my mother made, sacrifice Shamika's talking about she's making, and again, I hate to even call them sacrifices, but just the decisions to do the right thing about your kids. It's like a 401K with a massive return. And I say that because my father's passed now, but my mother is still living, and if my father, we raised my father from the dead, what he would tell you, And what my mother, if we called her right now, would tell you is that me and my brother have done incredibly by them in terms of the way Mm. we have turned around and taken care of them. Mm. My father had health issues later in his life and my brother broke his back taking care of my father, broke his back. My mother, for the last maybe 20 years, she'll take, living her best life. Only thing to stop my mother is the damn COVID scandemic. Other than that, at 82, 83, she's still going strong, living her best life, because me and my brother will do anything for her. Mm. If we could raise my grandmother from the dead, she would tell you, oh my God, what Jason and Jim Jim did for me. Unbelievable. Mm. And so, I just want to inspire any of these parents out there that don't make the investment in your kids. It's gonna pay off a lot better than one of these little nappy-headed Negroes sitting around smoking a blunt with his half dozen baby mamas. Uh, That boyfriend that you think is the end-all be-all or whatever, it ain't the 401k that investing in your kids are. Trust me, if you do right by them, even in this crazy culture we got right now, they will turn around and do right by you, and you your, your last 20, 30 years in this life will be better than the first 50, 60. And, and, yeah. and it's an incredible investment, an incredible payoff, and you know it's why I beat myself up sitting around like, should have got married, should have had a kid, should have bought them 401Ks. Uh, but anyway, Delano, I'm going to let you have the final say, and, and then we'll see you yeah. guys tomorrow. So what, one of the things you know,
3: that, that you were talking about, Jason, um, when, you, when you have family dynamics like this, like what you see with the guy, he got 17 kids, you can't even build generational wealth because if he's a halfway decent minimally decent dude he has to take care of let's say 70 at least 17 18 households right so when when it's like that and we've seen this with with professional athletes for a long time when they had the documentary broke and I'm thinking the one guy that always stands out to me is Travis Henry I think he had like 11 kids by 10 different women I don't care how much money you making a check that's being split 10 different ways is not going to go very far so all these conversations that we want to have within the culture, quote, unquote, about generational wealth and, and so on and so forth, presuppose that our family dynamics are straight and they're not straight. They're completely crooked right now, because the thing is, the best case scenario in, in this, you know, uh, uh, situation with this guy and, his, and all his baby mamas is that his child is the only child that each of them have. The most likely scenario is that some number of them are, have another two to three mm-hmm. children. So all, here, here you get a, a spider web, right, and all these kids in all these different households, and not only to Shamika's point is it bad for the child instability stability, it's also bad for the child's safety because, I'm not saying this is the case all the time, because I know plenty of you know families, you know, blended families that have been very successful. But oftentimes, what sometimes one of the most dangerous places for a child is in the home with his mother's new boyfriend, whether he's a, a male child and and that male and the the boyfriend sees him as a threat of one sort or another, or a female child. And this is not just some Tyler Perry. I'm not just because I watched, you know, some Tyler Perry movie live yesterday. I, my wife was a social worker for five years, and there were situations in which young girls were being preyed upon by their mother's boyfriends. Even um, Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson had a kid that he didn't even know about until a kid was killed by his uh, the the mother's boyfriend, right? So, all of these things contribute to the conditions of our of our cities and the larger sort of quote unquote black community. Again, every black person is not living this way. There are plenty of middle class black folk, you know, eating good and driving nice and living nice. But even those people um, refuse to say anything critical about this strain of black culture that's become predominant. And it's predominant because, again, and I've used this analogy before, somebody you know, I've been grocery shopping since I was eight years old. If you've got a batch of strawberries and there's one spoiled one in the middle, the, it only goes in one direction. Everything around it gets spoiled. the The fifteen that are in that package don't suddenly make the one in the middle become edible again. It, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. And, and we are being governed by people and led by people and influenced by people within the culture who have no problem promoting, glorify, glorifying, and commodifying bad character. And that's one of the reasons we see the things that we do today. So before people talk to me about all these gaps, about wealth and income and educational outcomes, I'm saying, okay, as an engineer, I learned. Your, your outputs are dependent on your inputs. And if you got that guy, he got 17 different kids, obviously he he don't he doesn't live with 17 kids, right? So he may live with whoever his most recent child's mother is, and everybody else is is getting a shaft. So when those kids go to school, and they want to know where dad is at, and they start to act out, and people say, oh, what, what's the problem? S- some goofball on MSNBC is going to say, oh, it's because of white supremacy, and the curriculum is racist, and so on. No, nah, you got to start in the house. And until we're ready to have those that, Jason, that's an actual uncomfortable conversation with a black man, right? Until we're ready to have those <laughs> types of discussions, not just the nonsense that Emmanuel Acho and, and people like him, like you know the Ibram Candies of the world, they think that making white people feel uncomfortable about how they live their lives is going to somehow impact us. No, we have to be willing to say, look, as a, as a community, we are going to raise our standards, or we are going to sink. It's no two. You you have to choose one, and and you know we're at that point where um, that decision has to be made, and it has to be made quickly.
0: That's it. And that's all. Shamika, it was great having you.
1: Thank you for having me. Good I'm for sad. being here. I
0: hope you enjoyed uh, Nashville last night. You were out last night. Yeah. <laughs> Ah <sighs> Alright, I'm headed to Dallas. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: Breakdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like I stand off, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a lighter, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom.